0: Welcome everyone here at Bossit. We would love to hear from you. Join us in our Bossit community by heading over to our website, BossitClub.com, and join our mailing list. As we grow, we will be launching our community of fellow Bossit BFS, and we want you to be a part of it. Okay, Sophie and Noreen, let's dig into this. I can't wait to tell them all about how we got here. Welcome to the Bossit Podcast. During each episode, we will share proven life hacks that will keep you on top and striving every day. There should be no hesitation. Make a plan. Take action. We are here for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bosset Club podcast. My name is Sophia Nareed, and I am so extremely excited to have Sarah on the show with me. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Hi, it's going so well. Thanks for having me. Yay, we're so excited to hear all about your entrepreneurship journey. But before we get started, I want to know about your mantra. What keeps you up and going every day?
1: We have this quote with my company, Startup Parent, and I use it all the time. I send mugs out around it. We don't have to do things the way they've always been done. Yes. That's good. Yeah. It's just I work with parents and I work with entrepreneurs and we are alive and awash in a wash and hustle culture and we are. As mothers taught that we're supposed to do it all and be perfect. yeah. And this is a constant reminder that, you no, you don't. You don't no. have to do it all. You can suck at things. Like it's totally fine to be bad at things and not do things. And also you don't have to work nonstop in your yep. life. Like there's so many other things about life that are also important.
0: We don't have to do things the way they always have been done. So I can resonate with that completely. I won't go too much into my backstory, but I'm from an Indian culture and women never traditionally in my family worked outside of the home so that definitely is going on my board as well so thank you for that so how is this mantra helping you today and then tell us about your entrepreneurship journey how did you get into this okay i love this question
1: and i will say when you sent over the email that was like what's your mantra that's my company mantra the one that I want to share that's like my second one that might be a little bit of a cynic, I hope people enjoy this and hear this the right way, is the world around lies to you. Like there's uh, a lot of lies out there. Yeah. And especially for women, mm-hmm. I want you to be really skeptical about what's going on because there's a version of motherhood where you're supposed to look perfect, where yeah. pregnancy is supposed to be easy where you're supposed to love having kids. This is supposed to be like your heart and soul and you wanna do it for free and there's nothing else that's more fulfilling. And I actually think that's all BS. Mm -hmm. I think motherhood is a lot of hard work. I know a lot of parents that struggle with being a parent, but dads are great caretakers. And so part of the mission of our company is to tell the truth about motherhood and to expose the lies that are out there. And I will say, it's the same with work. A lot of people are accidentally, maybe it's not deliberate, but they're accidentally lying to you about how much you should work, how much you should make, what work is for. There's often an invisible power dynamic at play where people or culture that is sharing these lies gets something out of you at your expense. So that's kind of my mic drop of like, people are lying to you, watch out. But if I could go back to my 20 year old self, I'd say, be a little more suspicious. Also be trusting and kind and loving. But also this mug, I'll show you because we love mugs.
0: Yes, we do. Be kind of a bitch. I love yeah,
1: it. Right. <laughs> it's I think I believe so strongly in like being kind, being supportive, being generous. You can do all of these things. But also if people are lying to you or taking advantage of you, full stop, boundaries, hard. No, I'm gonna be kind to myself.
0: And you may think that's not nice, but actually I'm protecting myself and you can't take advantage of me. Yeah. And as women globally, women tend to always put themselves second to their family. And I'm not sure if it's, this is me being a scientist, if this is really an innate quality, or if it's something that society has conditioned us to do since birth. Like it could be the whole estrogen, testosterone dynamic. It could be male, female energies, whatever it is, it's there. And so women have to be aware that society is looking out for themselves, right? It's not like they are going to be saying, hey, what can we do for Sarah today? What does Sarah need today, right? Society's like, well, what am I going to do for myself today, right? And oh, Sarah's there, maybe Sarah can help type of thing
1: what's the whole nature nurture, right? Like maybe there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can figure out biologically, but a lot of that's been not proven for a very long time. There's Mm -hmm. overwhelming evidence that dads hormonally change when they have kids. Dads are really great caretakers and that everyone has a different level of caretaking. It's just like height, right? Like we're all going to have some sort of height and some of us be maybe more or less, but that nurture, that nurture side you bet we're culturally conditioned with girls given dolls. What do you want to yeah. be? When you grow up a mom, you're going to be like, such a great mom. How many kids happens. do you want to have? We don't ask this of guys. And yet I had a little six-year-old, he's a six-year-old boy, as far as I know. And he goes, why can't I have babies? I really oh. want my own babies. And then he's like, so I'm going to have to get married to someone like you just so can, I can have my own babies. And I'm like, bud, you love kids." And you're allowed
0: to love what you love. You're allowed to cry. You're allowed to be all of these things. Exactly. And it's great that it might be the generation that we're in, but we're accepting of that quality more in boys, right? There's no reason why a boy can't have a doll. There was never a reason why a boy could never have a doll. Actually, one of the first products we made for our product-based business was a little boy doll named Adam. And I saw little boys walking past. I know they were so young, like two, three years old, and they wanted to take the dolly. And so. Parents at first were like, the girl doll sold out completely. The boy doll is still lingering around in our inventory. But the point is that society hasn't embraced it. But when we see kids wanting the product, then we know that there's a natural instinct to nurture even as boys. I mean, this is great. I'm glad that we kind of segued into the parenthood because that's what your company is all about. So talk about that and tell me, why did you start your company? Thanks.
1: I'm the CEO and founder of Startup Parent. Our colloquial tagline is like, we help tired working moms make friends. And right? nice. Tired moms make friends are buried in as We also try to make the world more equitable for parents and across genders. We know so many dads that want to be involved fathers and to be a part of their life. We also know that traditional family, I'm using air quotes here, is also one of those things that would fall under a lie. of American families don't have two parents. So what does that look like? There's tons and tons of different family organizations. There's so many different ways to have kids and raise kids. We want to tell the truth about like, hey, here are all the ways that parenting looks. And there's no right or wrong way to be a parent. You don't have to have two and a half kids, which is also like so strange, two parents, two and a half kids and a dog. Have a family. You can have an aunt and an uncle living in the same house. You can be a single mom. You can become an adoptive foster parent at age fifty. You can try for kids and then change your mind. There's so many ways to go through the parenting journey. And by telling the truth, we hope that more people feel alive, like they're full vitality, empowered, and able to say, "Hey, this is my journey. I don't have to fulfill your dream for
0: parenting. This is my." Hmm, exactly, and it really helps people not feel like they don't belong right?
1: Yeah.
0: And again, I think in the last few years, I've seen a lot of media around providing a little bit more appropriate family unit because it doesn't look like one type of family. We have multiple ways that a family can be combined and you could have parents uh, that are the same sex. So those are things that society now is embracing more. I've noticed anyways, up here in Canada, I'm sure in the U S the same, so it will go from culture to culture and across the globe differently on how it's accepted. But I think that's really great that you have taken this on because not only are you helping the moms, you're helping the dads yep. basically enjoy parenting, enjoy it with others. So tell me a little bit more. How does your company exactly, you have the podcast, I know that. Yeah. And do you have anything else that goes along with the podcast?
1: Yes, we do. So Startup Parent podcast. We get sponsors for, which is amazing to me. We got sponsors before we launched. And that's when I was first like, oh, I'm going to have to figure out taxes and business structures and everything. (laughs) That's how the business started. We have a website and blog where we have a lot of amazing people on our newsletter list. We send an email every Friday, which is fun. And then we have the Wise Women's Council. This is is our flagship leadership program. So we invite 40 women every year to come be together in a leadership incubator unlike anything they've been a part of. We try to not train you in all the masculine ways of working. We're not telling you to push harder. We're not telling you how to show up and do it all and lean in. Instead, we teach you how to make hard decisions, how to deal with the overwhelm because the overwhelm will never go away, how to show up with confidence, even when you feel behind, how to stop being a type A. If we're like, oh, I've got to do everything, that's going to be a trap for women. We teach you how to create really safe spaces with trusted co-mentors and peers how do you talk about really hard things with each other? How do you allow that conversation to be a learning space without inflaming emotions. So it's one of my favorite things. We've been running it for five years. We have 40 wow. women come every year, Beautiful. all year long. And I'm so proud of it this year because when you start something, you're validating it, you're testing yeah. your concept, yeah. you're tweaking, you're refining. I'm finally in the year
0: where I can confidently say what I built is really good. And I want to dive into that a bit deeper because you're right. At the very beginning stages, it takes time to refine your idea. You said it very well. And really understand who you're helping and getting that feedback from your clients or your customers on what has worked for them and then iterating and changing and you can be as truthful as you like. Is this the first time you feel like, yes, I've gotten it or did you have this feeling in previous years? If you go to my career
1: arc, now I've been working for 22, 23 years. There's a lot in there. And it includes working in architecture for five years, architecture design, starting my own freelance agency, working at a startup. And then I started Startup Parent after I had kids. Some of those milestones, when I first realized in architecture that translating what people were saying visually into words was something I was really good at. That was really important. And that helped me launch my freelance agency, realizing that there's these brilliant people out there who have incredible designs, but if they can't communicate the vision of what we're going to build to the developer, to the stakeholders, to the town, it's never going to get built. And that's like a huge communication challenge. I worked for CEOs for a while as a ghostwriter. So again, taking people with really smart ideas who struggled with writing in particular, and I helped them get their ideas to life. And so- Now I'm doing it for myself, which is really fun too, because I want to tell the truth about parenting and motherhood. And I knew that I was onto something by year three for the Wiseman's Council people were returning, right? That was the first clue. Oh, people are buying this again. This thing costs $5,000. Yeah. It's not a small ticket item. So for people to pay 10000 and then 15000 well, it's not quite that because there's an alumni discount. Like when you uh-huh. return, okay. it's more like $3,000 uh-huh. for alumni. But still for people to have that kind of lifetime value to be joining yeah. me, I was like, that's not a small
0: purchase for most yeah. people, even yeah. if it's a business expense. Yeah. It's, it's an investment, but there must've been value for them to actually be returning. Low ticket or high ticket, it doesn't matter. If you've a return customer, I say that you've validated your product for that ideal customer at this point. So what is it? The 80-20 rule. So then you go and you say, the 20% are going to bring in 80% of your profits. So go to those 20 right. and build up that community. So that's great. By year three though, it sounds like you felt it was going somewhere and you stuck to it.
1: That's right. Both the podcast and the Wise Women's Council have been hits. I really like the product mix, but we have 125 five-star reviews When I look at the reviews, I can't make it up. It's not like, this is a great podcast. People are like, she saw me when I was pregnant. She's validating this. She doesn't talk about this. She doesn't talk down to us. Like these reviews are paragraphs long. Beautiful. And that told me, oh, I'm hitting a nerd. Like this isn't, sometimes you puff yourself up. You're like, this is going to be the greatest thing in the world. But (laughs) delivering on the promise is so hard. And I think there's also some humility there because your idea and your execution, there can be a gap. I know what I want to build. And the execution is like halfway there. And you got to listen to those people who are like, it didn't do it for me. This part didn't work. I was really stressed. When I started, it was too much information, too fast. Mm -hmm. I had to slow down. And I had to talk about the onboarding experience because many people who are joining are pregnant Mm -hmm. or they have little kids. Mm -hmm. And so if they miss the first month, because look at the world, they miss the first month because their kids sick for two weeks and then they're on vacation how do you help people back into a program? So we've really finessed that and made just such a beautiful program.
0: I love that. That's beautiful. And you're doing such a big service for parents. Starting parenthood is, I mean, myself, I'm a mom, you're a mom, we get it. It's not easy. It's not an easy journey. And I think it's even more difficult for people who may not have hair group that's going through the same thing. I was blessed that I had girlfriends that were pregnant at the same time as me and we leaned on each other, but not everybody has that. And so your group provides that. Perhaps tell me if this is correct. But are you then helping these women nurture them in the leadership realm and then put them back into the workplace? Or what's really the goal for your leadership, the wise yeah. council? What is Wise the- Women's the- Council? The wise women- yeah, we call it WWC for sure.
1: So I tell people that this $5,000 is going to be better than a business school course that you took because Mm -hmm. you're going to get actual business skills that are more important for helping you decide what to do next than Mm -hmm. most business schools teach. And I want you to make lifelong friends. Mm -hmm. So within those 40 people, you're probably going to resonate with eight to 10, like eight to 10, they're going to be like, I like these people. Like they're in the same business as me, or like they have the same style as me. And two or three of those you're going to talk to for the next five to 10 years. Beautiful. And then the next part is the network effect where there's 40 people every year, right? So we're compounding. I have big visions for this group. These are the people who are going to create venture capital funds for women, for people of color. These are the women who are gonna change the workplaces. They're the ones that are gonna stand up because so many women are alone in -hmm. their leadership positions. You're the only one in your parent circle. You're the only entrepreneur. You're the only woman. You're the only woman of color. You're the only single mom. You're the only person who's like a VC manager or CEO level. And you're constantly looking around having to live this isolated, lonely, overwhelming life. And then when I bring them together in the room, they're able to say, oh, you too. I don't have to code switch anymore. You'll understand when I say that I only slept two hours consecutively last night and my brain feels like it's breaking, but I also have a live television interview. How do I get through it? And you're going to have a whole bunch of moms telling you like, Caffeine under your eyes, but also you have to nap afterwards. Cancel your kid's thing, do, right? We're going to support each other in getting yeah. through it. And I encourage women to brag to each other about not doing it all. And so I will post in this group, like, got done with my work at four. I'm gonna watch an hour of TV before I go pick up my kids. Because it, I can be successful like this.
0: Yes, I love it. Because you're giving permission. I was just talking to my cousin last night. We had an event. It was the middle of the work week, and I thought, oh, I won't go. But then I thought, no, I need to go because there's some elders there that I hadn't seen in a long time. So we went. She was burnt out. She was like, I had the worst day. And she just said to me, I I can't do it all. I need to get a nanny now. And she said, I probably should have gotten a nanny four years ago, but I was just so scared of spending the money because I wanted to do something else with that money. And I heard her. But I said to her very clearly, I'm like, you are really suffering from being a people pleaser. You don't need to volunteer for everything. And she herself said that. She's like, I just say yes to everything. And why do we do that to ourselves, right? And ambitious or non-ambitious, just because you say no or you take time for yourself doesn't make you any less of a person, a mom, a leader whatever you want to title yourself at that moment. I love that. I think that really hit a nerve with me. I love the fact that you're giving women permission to really own whatever it is. Like if they want to watch TV, for example, they can own it and do it and feel proud about it. So I love it.
1: You're leading right into the topic that comes up so much, which is how do I say no? So I have a book on this. I have a talk on this. And it's a common, exactly like you talked about with your friend. Part of it is cultural. We are trained to be in service to others. We're supposed to be a good wife and a good mom. And women are supposed to make it look easy, right? Think of Maybelline. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Don't let people see you wearing makeup. Don't let people put on it. Like there should be no effort. You're not allowed to sweat right? You're just supposed to be beautiful. It's supposed to be easy. And you're supposed to basically lie about what it looks like. You'll see all these moms trying to have it together after they have a newborn. And they like, we're all racing to try to pretend to each other. I've got my stuff together. But the truth is motherhood is really hard. Having a new infant is a tremendous amount of work. There's a reason it's easier to go to work as a dad than stay home with an infant. Most economists underestimate the amount of work that household labor is, and they lie about saying that it's meaningful and fulfilling. It can be. Like, sometimes it is really meaningful for me to make food for my kids. Like, sometimes I really love making art projects with them. But not 168 hours a week. I don't even like my job 160. I don't like my husband 168 hours a week. Like, it's just an absurd expectation. But we're cultured this way, which means when we say no, it goes against everything we're taught. And other people get really upset. If you're gonna invite me to something, I'm like, nah, I don't want to. Ooh, what does that sound like? Yeah. Dude. Oh,
0: it's rude. I'm not gonna invite her yeah. again, Right.
1: That's exactly right. You're gonna judge me. You're gonna say, like, she's, I'm not performing the role people expect. So I teach people how to say no, what to say, the confidence. It's hardest the first time you do it, right? The first time I do it, you're gonna be totally like, wait a second. And then I give people these scripts. Basically, nobody can argue with them. All right. So for example, let's say somebody
0: asks you, what do people ask you for? Do you have a night, like, do you have a common one? I guess we'll do a social one. A common one is, oh, let's go out tonight. Let's go out on like a Friday, Saturday night. Some of my girlfriends are like, my husband's going out and I don't want to be home by myself or with the kids. Do you want to come over?
1: Ooh, okay. That's a really good one. And that reminds me also of like, bring all these fancy baked goods that you made from scratch to your school every week. First, I want to ground people in the fact that when you say no, you give other women permission to say no. So you're going to actually help them be able to say no. And I've had people tell me this all the time. Like, wow, I started saying no. And my friends came up to me and said, I'm so glad you said that because it freed me to do the same thing. Okay. So my script in this situation, and this one blew up on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I really want to X. Thank you. X is just, you could say, A. I really want to A. A is really important to me. I love that you thought of me. If I do A, I don't get to do B hmm. and B is one of my, and then you increase the importance of B over A. So I'll give you an example. I would love to hang out with you. I love hanging out with you. I'm so glad you thought of me. I am in the middle of working on a book and writing a book is my lifelong dream. Mm -hmm. And if I don't write my book, I'm going to be really disappointed. Yeah. If your friend says, no, I'm in more important than your book.
0: That's not a good she would, friend. She would actually say, mind my words, that's the book. Let's go and hang out with your book and wait till tomorrow. <laughs> right? They're going to say that. Yeah. And, yeah. And
1: then you're going to say something like, I say that to myself every day and I have yeah. to actually take myself seriously. Yeah.
0: yeah. You have to, because again, if you're not going to set the no one else's going back to the whole theme about how society is lying to you. Right. And I'm not sure if that was the exact term, but it pretty much that it's almost like survival of the fittest. If you take it really back into the science of things. Basically, someone is always going to say, how is this going to benefit me? And they'll go and look to others to see perhaps how it's going to benefit them. So not casting a negative light on people, but basically highlighting the fact that you have to say no, and you have to say it strategically enough. So you're not going to damage the relationship, but you have to say no. Or
1: redirection. Like Mm -hmm. I'm a morning person and I love writing in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's when I can think by around 1 p.m. My brain kind of shuts off. It's better at admin tasks and doing things that are more perfunctory. So if people ask me for a morning coffee, I will redirect. I hold Friday for social only. Okay. And I'll say happy hour because I know I'm useless at happy hour. I'll say, oh, I can't in the morning, but Friday at four.
0: Like, are you available then? Yeah, smart. Okay, I like that too. And I think I've employed that a bit. Yeah, I have. I'll say, let's hang out on Sunday afternoon. My week is back to back with meetings. And I basically say, I don't own my calendar. Somebody else is managing it for me. So I'm not allowed to hang out with you until this time. (laughs) Yeah. right. (laughs) Right. And
1: then enroll them in your goals. So if you have a big goal, you can say, I can hang out with you once I finish the first chapter of my book. I'm saving the last Saturday of the month for hangout. Let's put it in here and then slow down the cadence. So instead of every single week, you're not saying no to them forever. You're just saying, okay, I've got one social thing reserved, especially for you, because I love hanging out with you. We're going to do it on this day. And that gives me two Saturdays to write. And then we're going to drink our faces off if you drink to celebrate that I did it. Right. So enrolling them.
0: Oh, I love that. That is, and it makes them then your accountability partners. For the example, they keep giving, which is the book which I yeah. know is very difficult for people to get up and get going at because you've written yeah. it is a very long task, right? Putting your thoughts and words on paper, it takes time and energy. So I think that's fantastic. Enrolling them in something like that, that's great. I, I'm going yeah. to be borrowing some of these strategies for sure. Well, and I'll tell you, like the slippery
1: ones are when you just need more sleep, when there's not something tangible that you can enroll them in, or if you just don't want to do it. Let's say your friend is asking you and you just don't want to do it. Yeah. Women have the hardest time saying, I'm so sorry. I just don't feel up for it. I don't have the energy. And I want to tell you, you are allowed to say that to people you love. And if they're like, wait, get in game mode. Or, I don't have friends like that anymore. Cause I'm such an introvert, but if they really pester you say, I-, I really need you to respect this. Like this is something I'm working so hard on and all this peer pressure, it makes me feel worse about it. You can also enroll in sleep. You can enlist the help of your doctor. My doctor says I haven't been getting enough sleep and I need to focus on it. So I've got to get nine hours. But if I get nine hours, three weekends in a row, I can save
0: one of these weekends for hanging with you. I love it. The same idea, right? It's a goal. You get them to be involved. You say, listen, I'm going to hang out with you at this time, this date. Let's look forward to it. Let's plan it, right? So we can actually make nice reservations at a nice restaurant that we've really been wanting to go to. We pick our outfits. I really find that the event is just like that tip of the iceberg of fun. But the planning all the way up is that real core meat of it. I didn't even ask you for tips. I just wanted to know your journey and you just gave us so much uh, stuff. Oh my gosh. I love saying no. I (laughs) like my friends now. The conversations
1: I have with my friends are, they're like, how do you say no to this? They text me. Oh my God, my stepmom is asking this or my in-laws are asking, what do I do? If you're a parent listening to this, also remember that saying no is so important for your kids to see because your kids need to learn how to say no too. And if they have a mom, especially somebody that never says no, somebody that yep. always gives himself up, you're actually training your kid to have a servant, to have somebody that's always in service of mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And that is spoiling them and it's not good for them. And so I'll give in a little example, but my kid's birthday is coming up this weekend and I wrapped one of the presents last night and he woke up and he saw it and he was, I want to open it now. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, this is for Sunday. This is for your birthday. And he was disappointed. And my husband and I talked to each other and we said, we don't have to take disappointed away from him. We don't have to save him from these feelings. He's allowed to be frustrated that we said Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's arguably a really good thing that you understand and feel those feelings and go through the cycle. You can be frustrated as a human being. You're never gonna get out of it. Like this is a lifelong thing. So when I say no, and I'll say no, my kid will ask me, Mom, I really want to play video games. And I say, you know, bud, I don't like video games. I'm happy to play this game, this game, or this game, but your mom never going to play video games with you. That's okay. You'll have other people in your life, but that one's not for me. And it gives him permission to say, hey, mom, I don't like swimming. And I
0: really like karate. Exactly. We're role models for them. It's part of their mental model then. If you're always saying yes, and if you're always letting other people basically direct your life, your child will use that as a mental model. And I think that's right. the takeaway, right?
1: I have two little boys. And so I used to work in the college dorms when I was a grad student. I was an RA. Like I've been around lots of 18 year olds and I cannot tell you how many of them show up. Yeah. And they do not know how to do laundry. They do okay. not know how to make their bed. They do not okay. know how to keep their room clean. They know none of this. And to the point where I've seen them like destroy their clothes because they don't know how to do laundry. It's not that they're lazy. They just don't know how to do it. And I'm like, this is, we're not helping when we don't let them do these very important skills.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we're going all down the line of rearing of women and girls versus boys, right? Because society expects girls to be able to do those very domestic like chores, I would say, and boys are somehow don't want to do it. And then the parents want to fight and then they just let it go. But they're going to pay yeah. for it later. Because you're right, if they have to go live on their own. I don't know many people will be moving out very fast. But regardless, I don't think you want to be retired and doing your kids laundry. So do yourself right. a favor today. And don't say yeah. yes to that either, right? at a certain point in life, I'll be completely transparent. I have the two girls and they will fight with me relentlessly to do very simple things like unload the dishwasher. And I'm doing it not because I need them to unload the dishwasher. I could very well do it myself. I'm trying to teach them that this is a responsibility of living in a household. And I want you to be able to do these tasks in the future. I want you to be able to own whatever it is that you have selected that as your task, right? We gave you a list and you selected it. So you have to be responsible and actually own up to it and do it when it's being called to be done, right? Right. And sometimes I will fight with them and I give up. I'm like, they're not coming and I'll just do it because it's slowing me down with my task. If you want to call the supply chain, I'm the one loading the dishwasher. So anyways, the next question I have for you is advice. So go back five years now because you started a couple of entrepreneurial ventures. Let's talk about any of them, really. What is one piece of advice you would give somebody who's starting today in their business? Charge money. All right. Okay. I need to ask why. Did you never charge money at some point in your? I see so many people with hobbies
1: or so many people who are like, well, I'm just going to do this for free for my friends to see if it works. That's not validating your business. That's doing work for free for your friends, right? If you're starting a business, you need to charge prices and you should charge higher prices than you think you should. Because a business that doesn't have profit and doesn't make you money and doesn't pay you is not a business. So here's a statistic that's so Mm -hmm. discouraging. 88% of women-owned businesses generate less than $100,000. 88%. Now, there's no judgment here for there's so many people who've got so much freedom out of creating a $40,000 a year product. Yeah. As a part time role, right? There's all sorts of professions that are so valuable and so worth it. And you don't have to do a seven or eight figure business to be successful. But I would wager a guess that the majority of those businesses are undercharging and mm-hmm. they are okay with perpetuating the lie that women's work should be free, mm-hmm. that we shouldn't charge for our work. And your work is valuable. Your time is valuable. There's no value to you as a person. It's not like charge more because you're so valuable, but just charge money and. To me, the sweet spot is when you start to put prices out there where a handful of people say no. When you know you're finally charging enough, and that's when you're winnowing in on the space in your business. That's the right
0: spot. That's good because you don't need to service everyone. You are there to pick your most ideal client, and your ideal client will pay the price that you are putting out. So, would you say yeah, there's 100 ideal candidates, and say all 100 are going to pay that price point? How many should we expect to drop off when you? elevate your prices? It's totally
1: going to depend on what your service is and where the price points are. So if you're charging $25 and you start charging a hundred, you might have a huge drop off. You might not, but if you're charging 2,500 and you go up to 2,800, you might not see anything different. For me, it's all a communication issue. And what I would encourage people to do, especially people who are not raising their prices, because what you're doing is you're giving yourself a demotion year over year when you don't raise your prices. Yes. You're actually lowering your salary every year because inflation's around 3% on okay. an average year. Cost of living goes up. Your experience and expertise go, are improving. Ideally, I encourage people to raise their prices in January and in July. Okay. And you give people, and if you only want to do it once a year, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. in December, you say, hey, such a great time working with you if you're a service provider. Our prices are going up in January. If you want to buy things, you can sell off your inventory through sales. You can have people lock in for the next year at the current prices. But just give them a heads up. Hey, next year, our prices are going up to this, this, and this. And then in July, the end of the fiscal year, our prices are being adjusted accordingly. We have loved working with you. We want to say this. We want to give this to you as a thank you. We want to offer you these packages first. We're going to send everyone a mug. I don't know
0: what it is, but you can be super kind Yeah, and also be like, yo, my prices, they're going up. Yeah. And you're giving them enough window of time to lock in. And you say lock in at your traditional, your older price and you get them locked in for the year. You say lock in at the new price. Thank you. Here's a mug. And this is what it is.
1: It's up to you and how you charge your prices, but people really like being rewarded and thanked for being a loyal customer. So do something to reward them and thank them. Right. And then explain to them that the prices are going up. Here's the new rate sheet. Ask them if you have any questions. But there's no reason you can't increase. Yeah. Related to this, for people who are starting out new, I did this when I was doing copywriting for people. I didn't know what to charge. I charged $40 an hour, $60 an hour. I did some writing for friends. And what I did was I listed at $100. And then I listed a 50% or a 60% discount. So that they knew they were getting this $100 an hour service at a special price because they were a friend. But when they referred me to people, I wasn't going to suddenly 200 times my
0: price. They're like, "Oh, this person's $100 an hour for her writing services. Beautiful. That's such a great way of doing it as well. For Family and friends will always try to avail your services. So I don't
1: give friend and family discounts anymore. But when I was starting
0: out, that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just a good way of getting you motivated and Getting the momentum going because at the very beginning, it's hard to find clients. It's hard to know how long it will take you even to do certain things like copywriting. You may not know, right? How long it will take to write a blog, for example. That's fantastic. Okay. So, charge from the beginning. Some people are like, let's do the beta group if they're an online product that they're. Charge money. Charge money. And we did the same yeah. thing, actually, right? When we launched our consulting side, there was never a moment of free. It was a moment of discounted to understand that they knew that we're still formulating our offering, but it was never free. So I love that. That's fantastic. Fantastic advice. And so, it's not a
1: business if you're doing something for free. It's a hobby, a hobby. or a gift. Exactly. Or a gift. Yeah, hobby or a yeah. gift. It's a hobby or a gift, but you're not helping your business. You're not validating anything either. You're just giving stuff to people.
0: Yeah, 100%. Okay, that's a good takeaway. Even for me, have to remember, charge, 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 guys. <laughs> We're all business owners here. Okay, next. How do you manage your time? You have a lot going on. Your mom... Sounds like you have, the business is there, but it sounds like you have a kind of a couple of segments in the business, including a podcast. So how do you do it all?
1: Well, first of all, totally embrace that I don't, right? I think that, especially as a mom, but also as an entrepreneur, claim the things that you're bad at, claim the things that you won't do, right? We're in a world where it's like, you have to be on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn and like, you have to be in seven places. No, no, pick one and maybe it's an email newsletter, maybe Mm -hmm. it's Twitter, but Mm -hmm. Think about your target audience. Like, where are my tired moms going to be? They're probably not going to be on Twitter with a bunch of journalists. Like, honestly. Yeah, there'll be some other comedians out there. But I go there, like, I'm on Twitter because me as a person, Sarah Peck, Mm -hmm. likes Twitter, not because me as a business is thriving over
0: Ah, there. Beautiful, I guess. Good distinction.
1: So pick the couple of things that you're going to be good at. I want to be really good at a podcast and really good at a women's leadership council. I'm not going to be really good at making technology. I'm not going to be really good at all this other stuff. So first of all, I would say cut your workload in half and do half as much as you think you should really focus on the things that you want to be good at. Like for me, we did the same thing in our family. So I wanted to be really supportive of my kids in sleep and in reading. Okay, good. And the sad part for me is that I also think food and exercise are really important. And if those are number, well, food is like down there, but exercise is number three. I can't be the world's greatest house cleaner. I can't be the world's greatest socializer. I don't want a trophy for every single category, but we really focus on getting our kids good quality sleep to the mm-hmm. best of our ability. I know that's like a loaded subject <laughs> and we read to our kids all the time. Beautiful. And that's what, it, that's what we're going to be good at. and then food. I basically throw like what I do. I was just talking to a doctor about this the other day, but they get spring cheese, they get wheat bread, they get McDonald's, like they're going to eat a whole smorgasbord of things. And I try to just make sure one meal a day has something great for them in it. Even if I'm like sneaking spinach into a smoothie.
0: There you go. It just goes along saying you say no. And so that's how you manage your time. And even when it comes to domestic tasks, when it comes to raising your children, you are saying no to a certain thing. And I actually love that because going back to being that people pleaser are trying to do everything. Just even thinking like we all are women, we all understand, right? There's a hundred things yeah. even just in the home. But you've said, okay, sleep and reading is movement and food. house cleaning and socializing are not even on the radar, right? Those are not the priorities here. And I just think that's so refreshing. That's so, so good.
1: I also just say that once in a blue moon, when we do have like friends over for dinner, I'm like, hey, this is not a fancy party. I'm gonna make pasta. I'm just, that's Mm -hmm. all. Like I've got pasta. If someone can bring a can of sauce, that are ordering pizza. And if we've got any allergies, we can order gluten-free pizza or whatever we need. But like, we're not working hard. This is not a six course meal. My kids are going to throw it in the trash. Anyways, all I want you to do is come over. Please bring Mm an $8 bottle of wine.
0: Oh, I love that. It's great. You're like, listen, there's pasta,
1: but just bring the $8, okay? 8 to 12 is the range. That's the range where you're not going to get a headache. But anything higher than 12 and you're working way too hard at this. Yeah. Unless you love wine. Like if wine is one of your things, then like by all means, you can also bring an $8 bottle for me. I'm not going to know the
0: difference. You can pour it into a fancy bottle and I won't even know. Just bring me pretty (laughs) glass. Just bring me the glass. I'm the Perrier girl. I usually have the Perrier. I just need the Perrier can.
1: I don't drink very much wine. So, like, that's also, if you bring it over, I'm probably just going to look at it and be like, that sounds like a headache.
0: It makes it <laughs> look fancy, right? Beside the pasta with no sauce. Yeah. And I'll microwave some frozen broccoli so we can say we tried. There you go. You get your you're full of acid in. So, you're all good. That's right. As we pretend they're like little trees in our house. And yeah. then our kids are dinosaurs. Yeah. I ate them when I was a kid. I was like, I'm eating a tree. I felt so big. Exactly I loved right. it. Oh exactly my God. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful tip. And we are actually going straight into how you manage your mental health. So I feel like all of these things are tying into this huge topic of mental health and well being. So, how do you manage that? What do you do? Oh boy. So, movement is one of the
1: top things. Socialization, like in the right amounts, I've got to get out, I've got to see people, movement, eating well, and sleep. Basically, what I just said about my kids also applies to me. Okay. But it's really, 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 I think, hard to take care of yourself as a mom and a new mom, because so much pressure is on someone said it really well, it was like, they just treat you like this vessel for a baby, they don't actually let you have an identity. And people will make decisions for the health of the baby without ever considering you. And so I see all these sleep deprived moms who are going through profound mental health stress, through psychosis, through extreme sleep deprivation, through iron loss, and they destroy their bodies and their mental health because no one is looking out for them yeah. and saying, yeah. you know what? It's okay to sleep train your child because they need a mentally well mother. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like It's okay for you to take a full shower and have someone else look after your baby. It, you yeah. do not have to be the only one caring for your child absolutely. and you absolutely do not have to do everything perfectly. It's okay if you're torturing yourself with breastfeeding for three months and it's not working, it's okay to lean on formula or other things for support. Like these are the messages I wished I'd heard as a new mom being like, Hey, listen, it's okay to make it easier on yourself. There is no perfect. You matter. You're a new mom. So with that, for me, mentally, this is a whole nother podcast episode, but I've had depression and mental health challenges my whole life. And I've dealt with them. I've been in therapy for years. I love therapy. Now we're in like, I'm in therapy. My husband's in therapy. We're in couples therapy. There's just so much therapy in our house. But also like we take our mental health really serious because at this point, if I'm not okay, my business isn't okay. My kids aren't okay. My relationship's not okay. It's more important than everything else. And we live, live in a culture that celebrates sleep deprivation. We People boast about how many hours they work and how little they sleep. And we know that Sleeping less like, over a long period of time is one of the highest contributors to cancer, diabetes, yeah. heart disease, and the culture. We fat shame so many people because we say obesity is so bad because it's so bad for your health. Right? And, like This whole culture is awful about yeah. being overweight. And yet sleep is actually more important. Yeah. And nobody is telling you like, you only got five hours of sleep. That's really bad for you. That's yeah. a route to cancer. We That's need to right. help you get more yeah. sleep. Yeah. When it comes to my business and my employees, I don't have employees, but contractors and people that I work with and Mm -hmm. partners, Mm -hmm. I'll say they get sick. I'm like, you rest. We cannot put out a newsletter this week. We can stop the podcast. No single podcast episode is more important than this. Now, if you're missing it every week for three months in a row, then we've got to talk about workload and other things, but we've got to get sleep and we've got to treat it more seriously because it's the number one. We've got to get out. We've got to get moving. You can't see this, but I'm standing on a treadmill desk. I bought a treadmill (laughs) and a standing desk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and so like I try to walk. I feel like such a old grandma. I like walk at my desk.
0: <laughs> That's no, you're setting the trend of what everyone should be doing. I have a standing desk, but not a treadmill desk. That probably should be my next yeah. present to myself. Put in the basement with everything else because sitting is very, very, very bad for you. Sleeping as well. If you don't get enough sleep, is very, very as well. And again. I'm a physiotherapist. So sitting, I'm always like watching people slouching in their chairs and I like lecture them to death, but sleeping just the the same. Again, we don't need to get into the science of it. I think we all instinctively know that we need to sleep more. But then I question as to why we don't. Is it that we put too much stuff on our plate and perhaps we need to go back to your tip on saying no to more things, which I think has been the theme of our entire conversation, right? Don't do it all and say no to a lot. Yeah. I'd like that quote actually of yours. Don't do it all and say no to a lot. That is fantastic. Oh my gosh, Sarah. I think we need to have you on again for another show. Love that.
1: Moms who are listening, by the way, just know that anger, rage, irritability, postpartum depression, and mental health struggles don't always look like sadness. Sometimes it's, I can't sleep. I'm really stressed. I can't stop thinking about this. I'm angry. Like for me, part of it is like, I get super irritable and enraged when something goes wrong. And I was like, oh, oh, that's a sign. That's one of my, like, that's one of my little tell signs that I'm not doing great. What do I need more of in my life? How do I reduce the stress?
0: Yeah, exactly. Sometimes the token sadness with depression is not, right? And so knowing yourself, understanding what triggers you i think people need more therapy or self-therapy if they can't perhaps go to therapy because i don't know if you figure that out by yourself i don't know if you can figure that out on your own i don't know you tell me did you have to go through some level of introspection to understand that those actually were your triggers
1: huge journaler i love pattern seeking i want to say neurotic because i don't think it is i'm very geeky i'm like very organized i like color coding things and i like systematizing things and so i like looking for clues Mm -hmm. And I also think therapy or any counselor or somebody that can help you see who you are with Mm -hmm. so many, how to hack your system, how to be smarter, Mm -hmm. the best hack is to have somebody look at who you actually are. And Mm -hmm. it can be totally terrifying, but then it's really freeing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Sarah, this is so good. I'm going to let you finish off by telling everyone how they can find you. And we're going to put everything in the show notes. So it's easy for people to just click and go straight to your podcast page to tell us all where we find you. Oh, great. I love
1: talking about how to say no. And I love talking about how to do half. So I have a book called how to do half. And I have a book on setting boundaries and saying no. You can find them on my website, sarahkpeck.com or on my business website, startupparent.com. Startup Parent has a newsletter, sign up. We people rave about it on Fridays because they're like, oh, I never thought of that that way. So I love dispelling myths and telling the truth. And our podcast is coming back online this summer, but we've got 200 episodes out there and unbroken streak of five-star reviews. So go subscribe to the Startup Parent podcast. Leave us a five-star review because that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I'm going to definitely put that on my listen list because there's some amazing tips that you've shared with us just in this short little interview. So I can't imagine what the podcast is and those books sound actually fantastic. So handle.
1: Twitter and Instagram. I just started a TikTok channel, but that's a little bit of an experiment. But you can find us at startup underscore parent and Instagram. So my boundaries on Instagram for mental health. I'm there on Fridays sign on Thursday night to set everything up. I chat with people through the end of the day, Saturday, but we do our lives on Fridays and I try to stay off at Monday to Thursday because like you were asking before, how do you get it all done? I cannot do it all in a single day. So if you want to hang out with me on Instagram on just Fridays, I've written for Harvard Business Review about how to like not be addicted to social media one day a week. And other than that, if social media isn't for you, then the newsletter is a great way to have a conversation.
0: Yay. Fantastic. That's awesome. So we'll link everything in the show notes. Thank you again, Sarah. This was such a fantastic interview. I am extremely excited to re-listen to the entire podcast. So I'm sure everyone has enjoyed it as well. And you guys remember you can make a plan and take action and yes, you can have it all. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Take care. Bye so my fellow bosses did you enjoy that episode now it's time for you to make a solid plan and take action but first remember to subscribe and follow the boss it podcast so you receive a notification whenever we drop an episode remember to leave us a review on itunes take a screenshot of your review and share it on instagram as a post or a story and tag us at boss it club if instagram is not your thing no worries